0: New Bloomington City Council candidates who want to represent downtown share their visions for the city's urban core.
1: It certainly takes investment and that is dollars
2: the outcome of, of this election will determine if we actually move forward with downtown.
0: That's coming up on WGLT's sound ideas. Afternoon, I'm John Norton. Also on the show today, State Farm and other insurers could face new regulations in Illinois to limit some rate increases. Your car insurance rates should be set on whether you're a safe driver or not, not based on what country you come from or how much school you've been to. A nonprofit helps EV maker Rivian get its Amazon vans through the assembly line with a one-of-a-kind workforce. Sixty percent of those have some form of a disability. And here the winner of ISU's three-minute thesis competition. Those stories follow a Bloomington Normal News update just ahead. This is WGLT Sound Ideas on 891 FM and WGLT.org, part of the NPR Network.
2: Support for WGLT comes from Bloomington Normal Audiology. Here, My Story continues with local patient Ryan Fuller and his mother, Stephanie. I used to be under impression that I'd get made fun of and bullied, but I have not. People have actually like, oh, that's cool, you know. It's just something different, and I embrace that. Ryan and Stephanie's full story can be found at bnaudiology.com. <laughs>
0: From the campus of Illinois State University in Normal, this is WGLT's news magazine, Sound Ideas. I'm John Norton. State Farm and other insurance companies face little regulation in Illinois when it comes to setting rates for policyholders. There's a proposal in Springfield to change that. We'll give you that story in just over five minutes here on Sound Ideas. But first up, let's talk about the city ward that covers much of downtown Bloomington. It's had three city council representatives since 2019. The city's urban core will soon get another new representative on the council. WGLT's Eric Stock previews the race for Bloomington City Council Ward 6.
3: Ward 6 includes all of downtown and some neighborhoods to the east and west. In 2019, Jen Carrillo ousted longtime council member Karen Schmidt. Carrillo resigned two years later. The council appointed D. Urban to the seat in 2021. Urban is not seeking re-election. Jordan Baker and Cody Hendricks are running for Ward 6 this year. Hendricks teaches civics at Olympia High School in western McLean County. Baker recently served as an aide to Republican State Senator Jason Barrickman. Since Barrickman retired in January, Baker says he's been a full-time candidate. This is not the first campaign for Hendricks or Baker. Baker grew up just outside Atlanta, Georgia. He came to Bloomington to attend Illinois Wesleyan, where he played golf. Baker graduated in 2020 and said the COVID pandemic made it an easy decision to stay in Bloomington. He went to work for the McLean County Clerk's Office and later Senator Barrickman's office. Baker says that fueled his passion for public service.
1: In those roles, you know, I've been doing constituent work. So that kind of area is something that I enjoy. And, you know, it's always been uh, something that I've wanted to do, you know, run for office and win and, and be an elected official and just wanting to, to give back to the community that that brought me here.
3: Baker had an unsuccessful bid for McLean County Board in 2020. Cody Hendricks also got his starting government while in college. Hendricks served four years on the Pekin City Council starting in 2011 when he was a student at Eureka College. Hendricks says his time on the council taught him the importance of constituent services.
2: I learned a lot
3: about the power
2: of uh, listening, uh, about trusting uh, the experts, Um about getting out more and more in the community to, to hear about individuals' concerns. And so that's really at the heart of my campaign as well as constituent relationships.
3: Hendrick says aside from constituent relations, his campaign is focused on providing equitable city services and revitalizing downtown and surrounding neighborhoods. The city is working on a new downtown streetscape plan. Hendrick says he wants to radically transform the city's urban core. He says downtown's long-term future could be decided on Election Day.
2: I'm excited about downtown. I think there's a lot of opportunities. um, And, you know, I think this election is crucial. You know, moving forward with creation of a plan came down to a 5-4 vote. And I think that the outcome of, of this election will determine if we actually move forward with downtown.
3: Jordan Baker says he too supports investment in downtown. He cites the city's expansion of outdoor dining as one example of downtown's improvement. Baker says he wants to see the final streetscape plan before pledging any dollar amount. It certainly takes investment, and that
1: is dollars. Um, but I'd certainly like to see the city, you know, go after as much, you know, federal and state grants as possible to to lower uh, any cost to the
3: city. Baker says his priorities are public safety and infrastructure. Baker says he's heard from Ward 6 residents who are concerned about crime in their neighborhoods.
1: Some of the more uh, physical and just terrible uh, crimes, one-third of those happen in Ward 6 as compared to the whole city. So talking about sexual assaults, murders, you know, things like that.
3: Baker says it'll take a collaborative approach between police residents and nonprofit groups to work on solutions. Baker says the current city council has made roads and sewers a priority, but he's still not sure it's enough to keep up with the maintenance. Certainly, we need to invest more in roads and and do it so in
1: in a smart fiscal manner. Um, You know, obviously, representing the west
3: side, there have been complaints about, you know, old sewer lines. Cody Hendricks says he wants the city to do more to encourage infill development to help with the housing crunch, especially with the lack of affordable housing. He says that may require perks for developers, such as waiving liens on vacant buildings, waiving sewer hookup fees, and setting up pre-developed housing plans. And it will likely take changes, he says, to the zoning code. A lot of cities have done that. It takes time um, as you kind of casually review
2: those and determine, is this something that we still need as a a zoning uh, uh, law or code? Um, I think that's the first step.
3: Hendrick says he's encouraged by the city's move to bring management of the city-owned downtown arena in-house. It's lost money for years. Hendrick says he hopes the venue can at least break even, but says the arena and ice center next door have value as a resource for all kinds of community events. And I don't
2: know what that point is right now, um, and I think that's where we have to have those conversations. But, you know, I am somebody who, who does believe, as a teacher, uh, you know, I believe in providing opportunities for individuals in our community, especially kids, uh, to have those opportunities. And so I think we need to find what that level is if we don't break even.
3: Jordan Baker says he wants to give city staff a chance to reverse the arena's trend of financial losses before considering other options. I don't
1: think it certainly helps them projecting negativity when they're trying to you know work on some new ideas and concepts to get more people in, get more revenue going.
3: City council races are nonpartisan, but candidates don't leave their political views at the door. Cody Hendrick says on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being most conservative, 10 being most liberal, he gives himself a 7. Hendrick says he wants to help the wards higher percentage of low-income residents, and he wants to live in an inclusive community. My
2: partner Eric and I, being part of the LGBT community, um, it's important that we have a place that is safe, uh, that we feel that you know, we can be our true selves in. Um, and so I think that that's something important to the city council as well, being kind of a representation um, and showing that Bloomington is a safe place for all people.
3: Hendrick says he'd also like to see the city see contracts with a more minority to businesses. Jordan Baker ran as a Republican for a county board, but says he doesn't plan to view city issues through an ideological lens. If
1: it's uh, a more center-left idea that makes the most sense, and that checks off all the boxes, I'm more than happy to support it. If it's a center-right idea that makes the most sense to a solution or to a problem, I'll, I'll support it.
3: Baker and Hendricks both hope they can find enough support to help shape the future of downtown and the city as a whole. I'm Eric Stock.
0: Early voting is underway. In addition to Ward 4, which we covered yesterday on Sound Ideas, Bloomington Wards 1, 2, and 8 are also on the ballot. Those three races are uncontested. Each of the candidates has been invited to appear at the candidate open house on March 22nd. That'll be at Illinois State University's Bone Student Center. WGLT is hosting the event, along with the League of Women Voters of McLean County, the Bloomington Normal NAACP, and the University Center for Civic Engagement. This is Sound Ideas, WGLT's news magazine. I'm John Norton. State Farm has finalized a $182 million auto policy rate hike in Illinois. Consumer advocates say they want more oversight to limit these types of rate hikes in the future. WGLT's Eric Stock reports.
3: The Illinois Public Interest Research Group says the increase adds $58 to the average State Farm customer's annual bill. The group says that represents a total increase of $500 million to State Farm customers' bills in the last 12 months. Abe Scar is the research group's director. He questions how the insurance industry determines rates for policyholders.
1: Insurers are allowed to use
2: all types of non-driving factors when they set rates. Things like your credit score or your zip code. Uh, Education level, it really don't uh, have to do with how safe a driver you are. And that has all different types of impacts uh, and can, can lead to some absurd results.
3: There is a proposal in Springfield that would ban the practice of using non-driving factors in setting insurance rates. State Representative Will Gazzardi is a Democrat from Chicago and sponsor of the bill. Gazzardi says the practice the insurance industry uses in setting rates often discriminates. Your
0: car insurance rates should be set on whether you're a safe driver or not, not based on what country you come from or how much school you've been to. Um, we think those are discriminatory factors and they're really often used to set higher rates for people with lower incomes, people of color, for women, and we think that practice is fundamentally unfair.
3: Gazzardi's bill would also require insurers to get approval from the Illinois Department of Insurance for any rate increase. The insurance industry is opposed to the plan. Kevin Martin is executive director of the Illinois Insurance Association. Martin says Illinois has been one of the best states for insurance companies to do business, but that could change if the bill becomes law.
4: And the bottom line with this is that that benefits consumers. It gives them uh, options. It gives them competition of companies that they can, you know, look to try and, you know,
2: get a policy from at an affordable price, and um, that's what we want.
3: Illinois is one of just two states that does not have state oversight and limits on rate increases. Illinois is home to State Farm, Country Financial, and all state insurance companies. Jerry Theodro is a free market advocate for the nonprofit policy group, the R Institute. Theodore suggests some insurance companies might leave the state if the proposal becomes law.
0: You're going to have fewer companies that are interested and to the extent that the, the rates that are approved are below market rates, and they lead to um, unprofitable results.
3: State Representative Will Gazzardi says insurance companies don't seem to have any trouble making big profits under the current system.
0: Insurance companies are making record profits, and they're doing it because they can raise the premiums as much as they want, whenever they want. So I think unless we enact some kind of regulation, uh, we're going to see these premiums continue to rise for Illinois consumers for many years to come.
3: State Farm recently reported a $13 billion underwriting loss last year, partly due to costlier auto insurance claims driven by inflation. State farm-declined comment on Gazzardi's proposal. With reporting from Megan Spurline, Charlie Schlenker, and Lindsay Jones, I'm Eric Stott.
0: Coming up tomorrow on Sound Ideas, you'll meet a teacher from McLean County who is a finalist for the Illinois Teacher of the Year. If it's happening around the world...
5: NPR's Frank Langfitt is in London covering this one. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Cuba is experiencing its biggest anti-government protests.
0: If it's happening here at home...
5: On a blistering hot day in Twin Falls, Idaho... On the northeast border of Mississippi... Where the river nourishes rich and green...
0: Morning edition from NPR News will take you there. Wherever the story is, listen every weekday. Wake up with Morning Edition on WGLT, part of the NPR Network. This is Sound Ideas on WGLT. When electric automaker Rivian ran into a production bottleneck manufacturing 125,000 vans for e-commerce giant Amazon, it turned to a group of workers who often struggle to find jobs. Dan Letourneau is president of Peoria Production Solutions. The nonprofit was founded over 80 years ago to help people recovering from tuberculosis find work. He tells Tim Shelley from sister station WCBU the organization remains true to its original mission. We have about 309 employees. Sixty percent of those have some form of a
4: disability. They're very high functioning, They're they, but kind of the um, diversity of, of the of the um, disability can be low vision, no vision, wheelchair-bound, on the autism spectrum, mental, physical, uh, developmental issues. Uh, One of the great pipelines for employment that we have are special ed and co-op programs through high schools. And we're operated uh, like a not-for-profit. We're fully self-funded. So um, whereas a company next door like Epic, who I'm on their board, relies on, fundraising, donor solicitation, state and federal money through grant writing. We we do none of that. We have to run ourselves like a like a for-profit business. However, because we're not for-profit and our focus is jobs, not profit, we're able to go to customers and be much more competitive than our than our competitors. Someone like SC2, um, or other packaging companies that are for-profit, nothing against them, but they're going to price jobs at 30-40% margin. Well, we typically uh, we do it for single-digit uh, margin points or even break-even if it means we can create several jobs.
1: And you mentioned also uh, Rivian. You've got three to four people working on a project for them right now. How'd that come about?
4: They were looking in the area for somebody to do some assembly um, and packaging of their Amazon cargo vans. They they currently have an order for 125,000 uh, electric vehicles with the Amazon delivery vans. As you know, Amazon and Jeff Bezos are big uh, investors in them and they have a, a, a huge order 125,000 vans which um, a, every van has a uh, cargo cooling assembly and Rivian found out that they were their line was not optimized because they were stopping to assemble these units which took about 12 or 13 minutes apiece. so they looked on the outside we weren't the only company they looked at um, but they we were the only company that would do what they call a directed buy which is very common we do it for caterpillar we do it for kamatsu where they direct us where to buy these three or four components that we're assembling for these cargo uh, assemblies so um, they told us who they're buying from the price they're buying from and we go ahead and buy it and then supply them uh, with a kind of a full cost based on the components and our and our labor and our small margin in that
1: solved the choke point for
4: them uh, it helped bring that installation time down from 13 14 minutes yeah to where they can yeah where they can just then grab it out of a box and it's more like 45 seconds to install it whereas before they were spending you know almost 15 minutes with the installation of it um, uh, we were fortunate enough to be uh, invited to a supplier uh, event out there in out normal in November and we got to do a catwalk tour. And we got to see the section of the line, uh, one, t- two lines. One is uh, one's set up to do their two vehicles, and the other one is doing nothing but Amazon vans. We were able to see these fans being taken out of the box and put in and installed very quickly. So, you know, it it clearly it's an advantage if, um, from the standpoint of you know, let us do what we do well and let us set you up for success, and let them just focus on what they do. And they've come to us with other projects as well with a similar mindset, uh, something called a Degas model, like D-E-G-A-S, which just looks like like a, a radiator overflow device with a couple hoses on it that they're assembling machine side and then installing into the vehicle. So we've quoted that. We've quoted a couple other opportunities. So I suspect that over time, Rivian is going to grow to be a you know very significant uh, customer of ours. Now, Caterpillar is obviously, we're in Peoria, so Caterpillar is more than half our business and will likely always be. Uh, but it doesn't help to, or it doesn't hurt, I should say, to diversify ourselves and just have other uh, large EOMs in the area to to work with. Anything else you'd like to add about uh, your collaboration with Rivian or anything else? Well, you know, I I, I think that you know, just one thing I, I should have mentioned is our mission is to be the premier employer of individuals with disabilities, and whether we're doing that here and we've done a great job of that in Peoria. Uh, my my long-term vision before I retire, I'd like to have another facility like this that's servicing Bloomington, Normal, Galesburg, Rockford, Springfield, those other those other areas in Central Illinois. Because I, uh, as much as I can tell, I've started looking at Bloomington, Normal, because we've got a couple. Uh, we're doing work for Midland Paper. We're doing work for Rivian, um, and and the reason PPS has been successful is because of caterpillar, because they've been able to supply steady, consistent business. So there's no reason that to believe no reason to believe that there's not a population like ours being underserved or not served at all in those other cities. And if we had a base of six, eight, ten employers like we have Caterpillar here in Peoria, Rivian and Midland Paper being two of those, there's no reason we could not open up another facility out there and then find a population similar to ours and, and kind of take this this great business model and and just do it in other locations within the state.
0: It was Peoria Production Solutions President Dan Letourneau speaking with WCBU's Tim Shelley about the company's work with electric automaker Rivian. Sound Ideas is WGLT's News Magazine, I'm John Norton. An Illinois State University graduate student has been honored for her research on how our bodies fight off bacteria with bleach that our body creates. Sadia Sultana won first prize at ISU's annual three-minute thesis competition at the Normal Theatre. Sultana studies biological sciences at ISU and was one of 11 students in the contest.
5: Can you recall the chemical that you first smell when you step in into a swimming pool? Bleach, correct? Bleach is also present in the tape water. And almost all of us use bleach as a household disinfectant. And all the purpose of using bleach in these scenarios are to kill unwanted microorganisms. But do you know that inside our body, we are also producing bleach to kill pathogens that otherwise have no business to be in our body? We actually do. We have very sophisticated immune system to fight with invading pathogen. An important member of our immune system is neutrophil. So neutrophils are present in our blood so it's charge for pathogens, and whenever they recognize the pathogen, they engulf the pathogen and kill it. So in this killing process, neutrophil generates a toxic antimicrobial bleach. So over my PhD, I was wondering then, how does different bacteria respond in presence of bleach? To study this, I used E. coli, or E. coli, as a mortal organism. Because E. coli is a very diverse bacteria. They're present in different parts of our body. There are E. coli that is good for us, and there are E. coli that cause different type of infections, such as intestinal pathogenic E. coli that cause diarrhea, or UPEC that cause urinary tract infections or UTIs. I found that UPECs are highly robust and able to survive better in presence of bleach and neutrophil, as you are seeing in this graph. On the other hand, intestinal E. coli are not good, they easily die in those conditions, as here. So in my research, I also identified a gene that we named as Factor X that allows UPEC to survive better in presence of bleach. In fact, the gene is so important that when we delete it now, our UPEC behave as similar as an intestinal E. coli. They are not good to able to survive in presence of bleach and neutrophil. So what does this Factor X do? Can we develop drugs targeting factor X that can cure urinary tract infections? These are the questions I'm currently working on. But to wrap up, we all have bleach-producing factories in our body that protect us from invading pathogens. But some pathogens, like UPEC, have evolved resistance and are able to evade our immune surveillance, whereas researchers like mine is shedding light on this resistant mechanism. And will potentially enable novel therapeutic options. Thank you.
0: Sadia Sultana won a $750 first prize and can compete in a regional thesis competition. You can hear all the winning presentations at WGLT.org. And that is Sound Ideas Today, WGLT's news magazine made possible in part by Bloomington Normal Audiology. I'm John Norton. Story help today came from WGLT's Eric Stock and Tim Shelley from sister station WCBU. Samantha Hill produced Sound Ideas Today. This is 89.1 FM, WGLT and WGLT.org, Bloomington Normal's public media, part of the NPR network.